God wants you to prosper, not somebody else, not someone down the street, but he wants you to prosper. He promises to be our exceeding great reward. God has a great plan for you. Third John, verse two, it says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Hello again, it's Dr. Shanta Haynes with Heart to Heart Truth Ministries, and we are continuing our message yet again with Ms. Keisha Heron regarding mental health in the church. This week, we're talking about sexuality, and we go into the character of God and our view on God. It's important for us to take a good listen. Now, if you have not heard the previous messages, you're going to want to go back and listen to those episodes catch them on my podcast or on YouTube, but definitely catch them and share the message. Go ahead and like Keisha Heron. Make sure you follow her on social media. But I'm also going to ask that you like and share this particular video or YouTube podcast, wherever you're listening. Make sure you identify that you want to subscribe and then not only subscribe, but get notifications when there's a new episode that's dropping. Now, I will tell you, there's one more episode that's coming after this, but you definitely want to hear this one. So let's go right on in to listen to Keisha Heron. So let's see. And I know I've got plenty more on here and you're probably going to say, I can't talk to you about all of these different things, but I'm going to move into one more subject because, you know, Keisha, I really appreciate you coming on. And there's just so much that needs to happen within the church that we talk about. We can't put feet to our faith if we don't know what it is we're supposed to do. That means that there's some action that has to be taken place. Absolutely. One of the big things, and I know it's probably not gonna be politically correct. One of the big things that we see in the world today is that sexuality. Whether it's being promiscuous on one side and you kind of alluded to that fact earlier, or it's going to be on the, I'm not going along with the status quo of male-female relationships any longer. And I want more of that to be able to come into the church. What say you about those kind of things? Who child. So Christian sexuality is another, uh, I am finding is another passion of mine um, from my own story and the things that I struggled with being raised in the church and having these same issues, you know, whatever that may be, hypersexuality, promiscuity, all these different things that happen and being raised in the church. I grew up in the church, right? And these were just not things that were talked about outside of don't do it. God hates this. God hates the adulterer. God hates the fornicator. All right. But you ain't telling me how to not do it. And you're not telling me why I shouldn't do it. Um, and you're not really feeding any other part of me. So I'm gonna just do it and be bad. I'm gonna just do it and feel bad afterwards. And that was my story, right? I would do it and feel bad afterwards all the time until you know there were moments where I was like you know I got I'm just not I'm not listening to you right now we 
a sister is tired of feeling shame. A sister is tired of feeling guilty. I'm just going to do what I wanted to do. That didn't work out in my favor. <laughs> but there comes moments and times where uh, when he, you know, he says that once he has you in your hand, in his hand, you cannot just jump out of it. And so I'm in his hand and his Holy Spirit is just continuously coming after me and coming after me. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm tired of you right now. Let me just, let me just do what I want to do. So I think part of the problem is we just don't talk about it enough. Mm -hmm. Christian sexuality is not talked about enough in spaces, in places that they should be talked about in the church and in the home mm -hmm. it's another issue we don't really address it in the home and if the home is not a christian home or a god believing home or a bible teaching home there is that sloppy stuff that gets taught to people in different environments and so i think one of the biggest things is that we just don't talk about it and then the other issue is we engage in a lot of these things because we don't know who we are. I think a lot of issues stem from our identity. You know, I follow different people who um, use this platform to get the message out because of their own story and just wanting to promote more awareness to godly sexual sexuality. Um, and one of the things that they talk a lot about is this whole concept of identity. And now this too is not PC, um, but you know, when you think about what the world subscribes to, they attach that to their identity. So I'm such and such and I'm whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? And I think that one of the um, people that I listen to, one of the women I listen to, I love how she talks about, she calls it same-sex attraction or other sex attraction. And so she separates who I'm attracted to from who I actually am. Right. You are a child of God. You were created by him. You are the head. You're not the tail. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are forgiven. You were given grace. You know, all the, you are loved. You are a daughter. You are a son of the most high king. You are an heir to the throne. These are things you are, right? That, right. That's who I am. I am kind, I am loving, especially if I'm a believer, I am all the attributes of the Holy Spirit because that's what's supposed to dwell inside of me. So I am kind, I am loving, I am meek, I am just, I am patient, I have peace, I have joy, I am long suffering, I have self-control. You know, these are the things that I am. I am not defined by who I'm attracted to, but we have attached who I'm attracted to to become our identity. And quite honestly, in the church, we have also damned these people to hell. And so you don't create, we don't create an environment, you know, so I'm, I'm more so now talking about individuals who are either questioning their sexuality or who have affirmed that they uh, are same-sex attracted or multiple sex attracted or all that. Um, and so when they come into the church, 
we are damning them to hell. Now, yes, we do want to say what the Bible says about that, but what does the Bible also say about them lying? What does the Bible also say about their greed? What does the Bible also say about their pride? And so one of the one of the ladies that I uh, listened to, she said when she struggled, you know, what got her to see God, I mean, after he beckoned her, is that God was calling her to be holy. It had nothing to really do about her sexuality. And in being holy and in recognizing that his will was greater than my will, then regardless to who I'm sexually attracted to, I submitted to the word of God. So does that mean I'm never gonna be attracted to the same sex again? Probably not. But because I am connected to the king, and because I am connected to the vine, I will subject my will to him. And so, you know, she said, God wasn't calling her to be straight. God was calling her to be holy. And I was like, yes. I love <laughs> That's it. Amazing. That's amazing. That, goes, that goes on both sides because even if it's a heterosexual attraction and we think about if I am going to be holy, then I follow what he says because I am sacred. I am set apart. That's what the holiness means. Right. And with that, I don't join myself with someone that is not and so that covers probably the gamut I would always say you don't put the cart before the horse God puts it that way for a reason for your protection because you know we see it from that vantage point but when I say I'm supposed to be holy then until I am married I'm not giving my holiness my jewels as we would say in the household my jewels away to someone else. And, but the world sees it completely different. So we've got that struggle, <clears throat> you know, and young people have that struggle because they are, so, you know, in the older age, you know, more seasoned that I am, it's a little bit easier. But, <laughs> you know, the young people are having that struggle because they're looking at the world and they're looking at the what the world says and not at what God says. God is always going to protect us. His word right. is going to be true. It, if you follow it, you're going to have the best. Now, right. yes, we take detours along the way and some do. Now, I'm not suggesting that anyone does. I am suggesting that you follow to the letter what the Bible says, and therefore you will be protected. You won't have any sexually transmitted diseases. You won't right. have any other problems to go along with that. Um, and death being one of the biggest ones, but you will be safe from that standpoint. You also won't have some of these sexual ties that you have, these emotional ties that you Yeah. And you get, there's a whole lot down the road that God is trying to protect us from, but we don't. Um, You move over to the same sex attraction. You still go back to, unless you are married. Now, according to God's word, as far as what marriage is, if you're not married, then you don't act on it. So unless you're acting on an attraction, that's when you start getting into that area of you're going against and not being holy according to him. But if you're not acting on it, yes, he says that if you lust after a woman, if you look at her and you lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. Well, don't lust, don't desire to have that person for your own doesn't mean you can't see that they look good. 
Okay, we're gonna give you that. You can <laughs> window-ish as they say, or however they used to put it. I've been out with no shot. They probably changed it now. <laughs> Let me say something to that because you know, you'll have that individual who now says, Oh my gosh, so because I thought about it, now I'm I'm lusting. No, let let's let's understand that a thought does not automatically become yes. Um, action, right? That's that thought action fusion fallacy that a lot of people get caught up in specifically in religious circles. So just because I think about this thing, like it comes into my head, you know what I'm saying? It's an automatic thought. We are, remember, we are still in the flesh. We are still in our fleshly body. So there are going to be thoughts that will automatically come into our head. But that's why the word said to captive, capture these thoughts and then focus on something else. The lust comes about when you start to daydream. And you start to obsess and you fantasize. That's when the lust becomes desire, which will ultimately become action. Because whatever you focus on is going to manifest one way or the other. So I really wanted to just take a moment in that to dispel that thought action fusion fallacy that just because you think a thing that means it's going to come true. No, it is the act, it's the active focus on that. Thing that takes root in your heart, right? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if I think about it for too long and focus on it, it manifests in my heart. And what comes out of my heart is the action. So catch it before it comes to your heart. Right. I remember, um, I'm trying to, th- I think it's Joyce Meyer. She would say it would just be on the inside and it, if it got to your throat where it got ready to come out. You got to stop it before it gets there. And you're saying, if it comes in my mind, I got to stop it before it gets here. So it, you got to stop it wherever it starts. You got to stop it before it either comes out of your mouth or before it gets in your heart. Cause if it gets in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. Absolutely. So ultimately you are guarding your heart. You're guarding that area of you where the issues of life are going to flow out. And so whether we need to go see someone to have have that handled professionally, or even if we just have an accountability partner, because the Bible does tell us to confess our sins one to another, we want to make sure it's the right counselors. He also says in a multitude of counselors, there is safety, the right counselors, spirit-filled, seasoned saints hello because your friends are might tell you the same thing that you want to do which is not going according to the word and i'm going to suggest you get in the word be like the bereans search the scriptures for yourself find if it is so be in a bible believing bible teaching church but then we in the church as well need to be more open to have conversations the conversations so that we can share appropriately what thus saith the Lord in a manner of recognizing that we have a human sitting in front of us that might be dealing with an issue. And it's not just black and white and staunch because of the love of God. We take the time to share and bring them on board 
Absolutely. Because once a person hears the thing, they can't unhear it. And so, you know, um, being a believer and a therapist, there are people I see that don't necessarily believe in the same God I believe in or in God, period. They don't walk out the same lifestyle that I walk out, but everything I say to them is still biblically based. Now, I, it's not my place to force it down their throat. My values or beliefs on them. And I really do have to meet them where they're at, even when I know that they are walking against what God has called them to. But at the end of the day, if, if there's any moment where I can give them some truth and sow them some love, I'm going to do it because once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And if it doesn't mean anything to you right now, it will mean something to you when you need it to mean something to you. And so that person will know, oh, well, my counsel used to say X, Y, and Z. I wonder if this is what she was talking about or my counselor, oh my gosh, my counselor was a Christian and I identify as LGBTQ plus and she didn't shun me. She didn't shame me. She allowed me to talk about my relationship and she didn't tell me I was going to hell. Oh, are all Christians like that? Like, that's the point, right? I want to be the Bible. I want to show people the fruit of the Bible to other individuals because eventually they'll say, okay, well, that person is saying that, but but I had this counselor who I, I think she was a Christian and she never shamed me. You know what I mean? She never. And that's what God's love is supposed to be like, right? It's supposed to be warm. It does convict, but it convicts us of what is not right. And it shows us what is, right? So it's not just convicting you of your sin, but it's also going to teach you and show you his righteousness, his holiness, and then how to be holy as he is holy, because that's how we are called to be. And I think that the more in love people become with God, mm -hmm the more in relationship they become with God, the more holy they become. Because when I am in relationship with you, there are things that I am no longer going to do because I know it makes you unhappy. And then the beautiful thing about God is the more in relationship you are with him, he starts to take different tastes out of your mouth. Yes, and yes, so yes. the things that you thought you really enjoyed and you really loved and you'll never give up and this is just it because this is just it and nothing's wrong with that. Eventually you're like, oh, I don't have to do that today. Oh, I don't have to drink that today. Oh, I don't have to watch that today because you start to recognize who you are in him. And the more he shows up in you, the less you are comfortable with you. And so, you know, my, my whole thing is to just get into relationship with the father. He is loving. He is kind. He is good. He is just, he is just, but he is still a good God. And because he is just, he is good. And because he is good, he is just, you can trust him. That's right. You, you can trust him. And so when you trust him, you can trust that he will also change you from the inside out, but he wants you to let him in. Yes. I love the fact that you say that, yes, there's conviction that will come, but it's not condemnation because we don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in. God is the one that's going to decide. And we don't see the end of the story. We might see where they are right now. 
I had one of those same kind of um, events, if you would, where I was talking with someone who was not in the church. And when it comes to sexuality, it was a little different. It didn't follow the biblical principle, but her concern was that the church was always judgmental. And we judge, let me just say that judging just simply says that you're discerning right from wrong, mm-hmm. uh, good from bad, you're scrutinizing, but the judging with condemnation is what the world talks about. And clearly the Bible identifies that those that are in the church, we should be judging. In other words, we make that, uh, that determination, that scrutinization mm-hmm. to say, you're not following, but you say you're following Christ. So if you say you're following, then it's my responsibility as a believer to come alongside you, my brother or sister to say, hey, you're not lining up and you might want to check it. Right. That accountability partner. But the Bible clearly says that God judges those that are without. He will bring condemnation if necessary, but he also has the ability to grab them, put that hook in their jaw, bring them in, you know, overwhelm them with love so that they now believe that Christ came and died for them and that they decide mm-hmm. that they want to have a relationship with him. Then those things are going to change. So we have to recognize our place. We're not God in the church. We're not God. We are his children and mm-hmm. as his children, my brothers and my sisters, I have a responsibility of that pastoral care, if you would, to say, nope, let me come alongside you and say, this is not following. Right. But for those that are not in the family, we let the father handle that. Absolutely. And we, our, our responsibility for those, our non-believing brothers and sisters, is just to be a light. Yes. You know, it's to be a light. It is to be the Bible rather than pushing the Bible down their throat. Because the best way to win someone over is to just be. Yes. Can we just be? And that is another passion of mine. It is for those who are questioning their faith or for individuals who are really really struggling with believing this whole person called God you know who is this person that we don't see but so many people love and adore him Um, but then there are so many different views of God I heard this one person in the training that I'm doing that talked rightly about how our perception of God is closely associated with our perception of our earliest childhood caretakers. So if we have a identity with our parents or our caretakers as benevolent and kind and um, like a a healthy disciplinarian, Mm -hmm. then we view God the same way. But if we sometimes grow up in a punitive household, an authoritarian household, a malevolent household, we view God the same way. And there are so many believers that just tell a different story. They don't tell the full picture. Yes, God is just. And because he is a just God, he is going to judge sin, period. Yes. He's also a gracious God. Mm -hmm. And so when you come to him, he is faithful to forgive. Now, 
you may still have to deal with the consequences of the decisions that you made when you were in sin. And that's the reality. I mean, every parent can't shelter their children from everything that they do or their children will never grow. They will never learn. They will never be strong, you know? So because, and but because he's so good, he gives us free will. Imagine that. <laughs> I created you and now you choose whether or not you're gonna obey me. Can you imagine that, Shantae, being with your daughters? I created you now. I'm going to give you the choice whether or not you should obey me. Imagine that, right? Like talking to your little ones when they're little and say, hey, you're going to come home by so-and-so time and giving them the opportunity to say, um, well, I, I, that doesn't meet my schedule. So I'll so see you. are talking about those teenage me. years when they decide that they know better than anybody else. In my case, it was probably more adulthood in that empty nest side where you say, I'm going to have to let you bump your head on your own because you're not right. But in their early formative years, yes. you know, you, you don't give them the joy. No, protect first, right? We protect. But look how good and loving God is. While he still tries to, while he still wants to protect us, he still gives us the opportunity to choose whether or not we want his protection. Like, I don't know, that just kind of hit me. And that's just so amazing how kind and loving he is. He is not a puppeteer, just, exactly. you know, pulling the strings to do whatever it is you, you want. He is a gentleman, as we said in the very beginning, and he will not encroach on your free will because if he did, then he would not be a good father. He would not be a just God. He would become a liar and he is not a man who should lie. Exactly. You know, and so if he created this and told us that we have to choose him freely, he stands at the door and knock, then that is exactly right. He knows that should we choose him, we will experience life and experience it more abundantly, but we have to figure that out. And I think when we are able to bring people to that experience or show people that experience, mm -hmm. it, it's more than you ever Bible preaching somebody or telling them what they're doing is not right. You know, when you live out the light, then your light just seems to creep into people's darkness and they will come to you for help. You know, I mean, th that supersedes just mental health therapy, but when we just talk about life and being connected to the one who created life and the one who gives us life, there's just so much fruit and wellness in there. It's just, I, I really am so disheartened when people paint a picture of God to be one-sided, you know, he, he is love, but we also are not going to paint the sloppy grace. Like, exactly. The greasy grace, like I talked about. No way. We're not going to paint that picture either. And yes, he does have wrath and he hates sin, but we're not just going to paint that picture either. This mighty God who's just waiting to strike you down the moment you do x y and z then why did he allow he's his son to come too. yeah he's merciful as well very much so very much so and and the more we tell people about his mercy and his grace and his goodness he becomes a person that people actually want to get to know did i tell you or did i tell you it was going to be good well we've got one more episode as we conclude then our mental health month and making sure that you have a clear understanding of what the Bible says, as well as how 
mental health works alongside the church and things that we really need to talk about. I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and make sure you put those notifications on so that you won't miss not one thing. I'm Dr. Shanta Haynes with Heart to Heart Truth Ministries. It's been my pleasure. Hello. Talking about money can be an embarrassing issue and it can have a little bit of shame to go along with it. But if you really are ready to come out of the shadows and get into the marvelous light, truly being able to be confident and skillful in what you do with your money management, I'm your girl. I've got online classes for you. No one even has to know. Financial independence is something that you want. Financial freedom is available. Financial security should be yours. Jesus didn't die for you to financially struggle. So come on out of the shadows into the marvelous light. Get into one of these classes, Financialopoly, Financial Wisdom for Financial Freedom, which is going to give you six weeks of all the money management principles that you're going to need to know. Believe me, I walk you through it. You can do it. Step-by-step -step instructions on what you need to do. And then there's also Biblical Financial Personalities Masterclass. It's the principles and the practices that go along with how you authentically handle money, how you deal with money, as well as why you deal with it the way that you do. And it's a Bible study. So it goes through observation, application, interpretation, as well as contemplation. So that you then, utilizing the scriptures and those principles, you can maximize what it is that you do have and secure your future, not only for yourself, but for your family. You can find us online at h the number two h truth.org. At Heart to Heart Truth Ministries, we're helping believers live an abundant life based on God's word, standing on his promises, walking out his principles, sharing with God's people serving as unto the Lord.